you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Hey, everybody, it's Carrie Champion, and you're listening to the Huddle and Flow podcast with my guy, Steve, and my best friend, Jim. He doesn't know it, but he is. You guys have to keep supporting because these men are really doing it big, especially for us ladies. Ow. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Huddle and Flow podcast. I am Steve Weich with my dudes, Thomas Warren, our producer on the ones and twos. Jim Trotter, JT, what's up? We're back for a little midweek special, our second scoop of an LSU player. Coming up, we got, Justin, we got, you got Justin Jefferson after having Andrew Whitworth on. This is going to be a good one. We got the Rook. We got the Rook. No, look, I've been impressed with this. Uh, I almost said kid. He's a young man. I've been impressed with this young man since, uh, you know, I saw him at LSU last year and the numbers he was putting up. Um, So to have him on, I've been looking forward to having him on just to talk about his season, his development, you know, all those sorts of things. So um, definitely, definitely one that that, um, I'm glad we got around to. Jim, isn't it amazing? I mean, for for, for years we heard wide receiver might be the toughest position other than quarterback for a rookie to transition to, right? Now, so then we see the rookie quarterbacks making the transition. But wide receivers, they don't understand coverages. They don't know how to get off a press because there's so much press bail and zone in college. And, oh, yeah, you know, they got to catch balls in traffic now because, you know, it's it's tight windows in the NFL. And someone like Justin comes along and completely blows out the rookie record. The fifth wide receiver taken in last year's draft, by the way, comes in and completely shows out. Yeah, I mean, to, to break a record that has stood for 16 seasons in terms of uh, yards receiving by a rookie – uh, that's pretty impressive, you know, to break a record. And that one was set by Anquan Bolden, but then also to break the franchise record, which was set by one of the greatest ever, and that's Randy Moss. So, yep. 
it tells you something about this kid. And I think what, what the Vikings believe or hope they have in him is that they have their version of Larry Fitzgerald is a guy who's just a tremendous, uh, tremendous in terms of production and also somebody who is solid off the field. You know, um, the thing I've heard about Justin, you go through an entire season with a rookie. He didn't miss one interview appointment. He didn't miss one treatment appointment, anything like that. He was really like a fifth year vet right off the bat. And that speaks to his character and his development. So guys like that, you love to see succeed. And that's why, again, I was I was happy we were getting him on the show um, because he does everything the right way, you know, in terms of how he plays and how he conducts himself, you know, in his business. Yeah, look, and, and to come in with no offseason, um, to deal with a team that was up and down this year, doesn't make the playoffs, injuries, de- uh, the defense is decimated by injuries, and to be that professional and to lead for a team that trades away Stephon Diggs and he comes in to fill that role and people are like, oh, the Vikings were crazy to give up on Diggs. And he steps in and he replaces that production, uh, even with Thielen, you know, off and on with injuries this year. Um, salute to him. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if it's going to be him or if it's going to be the other Justin, Justin Herbert, who gets the offensive rookie of the year. But both of them came in and just really were fantastic this season. Yeah, Steve, we know who's going to get it. Unfortunately, well, we the quarterback. quarterback get it. Yeah, it's a quarterback right. driven league. And that's why I say all of these offensive wars, they should have a separate award for the quarterback so that it can be fair to these other players who have, whether we're talking veterans or we're talking rookies who have outstanding seasons because they just get lost in the shuffle because the 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 default is check the box for the quarterback. And I think that's unfortunate because what Justin Jefferson did this year, and I'm taking nothing away from Justin Herbert, what Justin Jefferson did this year was truly impressive. When you watch week in and week out what he was able to do. And the other thing that was so fascinating to me, Steve, it, he's just he's um, confirmation of just how inexact a science scouting is. Because when you go back and you read some of the reports on him coming uh, into the draft, you're like, who are they talking about after you see him play? Because the scouting report doesn't match up with the production and what we saw on the field. Yeah, that was that was that's an interesting take because I mean, he played in pro offense at LSU, had Joey Burrow throwing the ball to him. Um, it's just interesting to see how, how receivers are judged. And I think part of it is that old thinking, like it takes a while for them to transition. And, and look, it, it's. There's some of the other rookie receivers, I mean, Ruggs and Judy and those guys. It took them a while to transition. So that goes to show you again how Justin Jefferson is really special. And, you know, and you talk about how this this is a, as a quarterback award. I mean, look at some of these offensive linemen who came in and played really well this year. I mean, Tristan Wirfs is still in the playoffs for the Buccaneers. Um, a lot of great rookies, Chase Young on defense, Jeremy Chin on defense. So, I mean, look, for even without having an offseason, some of these rookies – uh, really came in and showed up. But, yeah, we see that our special guest has arrived. So let's go ahead and bring in Justin Jefferson. All right, Jim, now we're joined by our special guest. and We're going to find out soon if he's going to be the uh, NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year. But that's Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings. No, no, let's not say if he will be. He should be. Okay. <laughs> so now we bring in Justin. Justin, should you? Definitely. Jim has already proclaimed you should be. Yeah, I think I should be. Uh, just, you know, um, off a of difficulty of a year, um, not being able to have any preseason and not being able to start the first two games. And then um, just, just coming off and still getting the rookie record and 
getting 1,400 yards. So um, it, it's definitely not not easy to do uh, as a rookie receiver going against you know some top corners in the league. Let me say this, Steve. Let me, let me put it in perspective. So we know we know it's a it's a quarterback. Every award, offensive award, is a quarterback award. So I'm setting them aside. But look at his accomplishments as a rookie. As he said, he broke the NFL rookie um, record for yards receiving. And that market stood for 16 seasons. Anquan Bolden had it. It's fourth in the NFL in receiving yards. Tied for third with Travis Kelsey and uh, and Calvin Ridley for most receptions of 20 yards or longer with 23. Became just the second wide receiver in the last 30 years to earn all pro honors as a rookie at that position. So when you put all that together, as he said, coming in in a COVID year where you have no offseason, you, first time you meet your team is when you arrive at training camp. Um, you don't start the first two games. Put all that together and you go for 1,400 yards on 88 receptions. I think that speaks for itself. So in my opinion, he's he's offensive rookie of the year. <laughs> yes, sir. And let's not forget, it's supposed to be a run-based offense too. And he put up those types right. of numbers. Absolutely. Hey, but real quick, before we get back to that, I got to ask you this since it's so fresh on the dome. Okay, we remember what you did in the Peach Bowl last year, right? 14 catches, 227, four touchdowns. And you went out and did your thing in the national championship game. Well, then Devontae Smith showed up in a national championship game early this week and put put up 12 catches for 215 and three touchdowns basically in the first half. What did you think about that performance? Man, he's he's a dog, man. Uh, just the the work that he put in uh, in the off season, and um, just him just being the same circumstances, uh, being a COVID year, um, you know, them not knowing if they're able to play or not. Um, you know, some guys off can't play because of COVID, so definitely a difficult year for college too. And for him to go out and, and get all of these yards and break the um, break the record for touchdowns. That's, that's crazy. Um, he he's been he's been killing it all all year, and he definitely deserves that Heisman Trophy win. Justin, what what were your expectations coming into this year? Um, I wanted to be the best re- receiver uh, that I can be. Um, not really. I didn't want to really compare myself to the other uh, rookie receivers. I wanted to be the best uh, receiver in the league. So uh, me just setting goals out for myself. Me just uh, just trying to buy into the, to the process, me listening to Adam, just getting all the information that I can because, uh, you know, we didn't have any preseason, so I didn't really have no taste of the NFL yet until week one. So, um, I mean, it definitely was a struggle, but um, I, I really had to, to work my butt off and, and, and do extra work to get here. Did you set goals? Uh, yes. Uh, my goals were uh, – me and my brother were talking about it before the season. Uh, I think it was like 60 receptions. Um, we we based for a thousand yards, and uh, I think it was, I think it was six or seven touchdowns, one of the two. So I definitely reached my goals. I, I surpassed my goals. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely a check mark off year one. It's funny when I think in doing some research when you were back at LSU. I think it was. Um, it was one of the bowl, or it was against Georgia, where you had a big game, and I think there was a quote from you where you said, "That's when you understood or accepted that you could be a difference maker at that level." 
Was there a moment during your rookie season where you said, I mean, you always knew you belong, but where you said, I can be a difference maker at this level? Um, yeah. Um, I've, after my first start, after week three, you know, having 175 yards, um, you know, just being a, a big performer of the game and then, you know, just dancing into the end zone, just that excitement. Um, you know, I just I just knew I was capable of being a, a problem in the league, especially going against Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler is one of the top corners in the league. So, um, you know, having a performance like that on him uh, definitely opens my eyes a little bit and giving me a little bit more confidence. Let, let me ask you this, too, because I want to add another layer, because you talked about all the things you came into the season with, not starting to the third game, X, Y, and Z. But early on, too, people were like, the Vikings traded Stephon Diggs? And yeah. so you had to come in with that, too, with that conversation around you, and you ended up doing your thing like that. What was it like dealing with something? It was completely out of your control and everything like that, but, you, you, but I mean, it was there. It was part of the conversation and the narrative about your rookie season. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely heard all the all the, the comments, all the the rumors or whatever it is. You know, me just trying to live up to Stefan Diggs and stuff. But um, I I didn't really want to focus on that. I wanted to play my own game. I knew I was capable of being a playmaker in the league. I knew I was going to be able to make some plays. So um, you know, me given the opportunity, I knew I was going to make the most of it. So um, I just you know was was blocking out that noise and uh, just just play my own game. Be honest here, Justin. There were what four receivers drafted ahead of you, and we look at everything that you accomplished yeah. in college. Um, what were you truly feeling as you looked at those players come off the board, and you're there knowing what you're capable of doing? I mean, I, I took it in as as you know, just me. I just kept I kept a chip on my shoulder, um, if you want to say that. You know, I just. I just felt like I was the one of the top receivers, and uh, you know, especially off of the the performance that I did with a national championship, and you know, having over fifteen hundred yards, and having eighteen touchdowns. So, uh, being being the the fifth receiver picked up, I felt like that was disrespectful on my like on their part. So, I just wanted I just wanted to to prove everybody wrong. Uh, all of the doubts that me not being able to play outside, me not being a fast receiver, me not being able to go deep. So, um, you know, this past season, I worked on all, all of those things. I just tried to to clean up my game a little bit more and be that versatile receiver. Let me let me read you, because I went back and looked at some of the scouting reports that were out there. And among the weaknesses, what they said, um, spread scheme through field wide open for him needs more attention to detail with his routes too complacent to beat coverage with athletic ability unable to run away and separate from tight man size and strength across from him impedes production will take time adjusting to press looks as a pro so when i'm reading all this and then i'm watching you play this year I'm like, <laughs> what were they watching you know who were they watching because that's not who i'm seeing know. I don't know. You know, when you when you saw some of that during the draft, were you asking that same question? Like who were they watching? Um uh for sure. Um I mean the things that I read, I was like where did they even get this from, you know? Um I I never really got caught caught from behind, so I don't know why they thought I was a slow receiver. Like I don't know why they felt like I wasn't able to get open 
um, you know, I was open plenty of times. I, I had 111 receptions. So I don't I don't really understand all of those, you know, comments, but I just used it as fuel to my game and um I just wanted to prove everyone wrong. You know what was interesting too, when you got to Minnesota the first two weeks they were playing you primarily in the slot and then they moved you outside. Did you feel like maybe they had they had kind of um pigeonholed you, so to speak, before they allowed you to play outside? Yeah, um, but it also uh comes on effect just me uh learning the playbook um you know i wasn't i didn't really know the playbook 100 percent the first two weeks so they really wasn't you know it was kind of nervous to put me out there at first uh so they were just trying to let me get a feel for it the first two weeks you know to see how things are and then um that third week coach kubia gave me the opportunity to start outside and um you know they just really wanted to see what i what i would do with that opportunity it's funny because, you know, when Jim was reading that, it said, you know, doesn't run great routes. And then we're hearing by like week eight, this dude's one of the best route runners in the NFL. And the fact <laughs> he's a rookie, the fact right. he's a rookie, he's tagging stuff and doing this and doing that. Was there a difference? Was it, did you, did you come up here and be like, okay, look, maybe the way these guys are scheming on me, I'm, I'm being asked to do things differently. And that's why they're noticing this. Um, um, I mean, yeah, kind of. Uh, you know, outside is, is totally different from, from inside. Inside, you kind of go against, you know, linebackers, uh, you know, those safeties coming down. You don't really get those, you know, one-on-one matchups like that. So being outside, you kind of be put on that island. So it's just you and the cornerback. So that's that gives me the ability to, to run the whole route tree on this one person. So uh, it, it's kind of a little easier for me if, if you kind of say it because, you know, I'm just going against this one person. Justin, how much did that one year under Joe Brady at, at LSU prepare you for your rookie season? Oh, um, it, it prepared me so much. Uh, just running a pro-style offense like the Saints, uh, it, it gave me the ability to really learn the, uh, a pro-style offense. And me coming into the combine, you know, coaches fascinated the way I know the playbook like like it's nothing because we ran pretty much the same plays, just called them different things. So uh, the the terminologies were, were different, but the concept was the same. So it was it was kind of easier uh, with with learning new plays now. When you see him getting head coaching opportunities after just one year in the NFL, you having played for him, um, are you caught off guard? Or are you like, hey, man, you know, somebody might get something special right here if they hire this guy? Oh, hundred percent. Um, just the way he connects with his players, um, you know, the ability uh, of him just calling the plays. He he calls the right plays at the right time, and uh, that's that's what made it work. Uh, the whole last season. So, um, him just putting people in the right positions. Uh, that was the the biggest part on on him just calling the plays and setting us up for the for the right uh things. You know what's interesting, Justin, is that typically young receivers struggle when they come in this league. Um, it takes them a minute to get their, their feet under them, their legs under them. And you didn't have that problem. Was it as much of just playing in, in, in that system at LSU for a year, or was there something more to it in terms of why you were so successful this year? Um, that has a part on it. Um, just, you know, learning the playbook and, um, you know, learning the, the concepts that the NFL runs, but, um, it's just, I mean, over time, I just watched plenty of football. Uh, me watching Odell and, and Jarvis and all of these different receivers that came to LSU, 
um i just i just learned it i just really just focused in and studied the game how much do you guys communicate all of you lsu guys the receivers <laughs> we communicate a lot <laughs> we we definitely you know are, are well connected uh with each other we have a special bond um you know we it, it's just a, a brotherhood so uh you know once you're a tiger um uh, you're family so uh all of us just showing each other love and um just really just trying to trying to root for one another is it that competition yeah. now when you when you look at alabama because alabama is going to say they, they developed the receivers not lsu so is there, is there that competition <laughs> friendly competition there? here we go there's, there's definitely a competition uh it's a it's a tough competition at that uh just with the guys that that are from alabama and the guys that are at lsu but i mean the guys that we have man we, man, we can't be stopped man so i'm, not, I'm always have to go to lsu all right because when i was with julio one time you know he he talks up his boys down there you know he's considered like the the sage you know, the they all look up to so he feels he got him right uh, now. They got another one coming in soon with Devontae. So they're gonna be coming for y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm 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 ready to see what he does when he doing the league. Uh, I'm excited to see, you know, how how he pan out and, and what team he go to. Hopefully he go to a good system that that use him right. You watch him and and college, you played against him in terms of being on the same field. I mean, how good is he? Because they Right, right now, people want to say, well, he's so thin. I, how's that going to translate to the next level? That sort of thing. But you mentioned earlier he's a dog. I mean, how dominant do you think he can be at this next level? Um, I mean, I worked out with him um, a few times uh, in the offseason during quarantine and everything. But, um, I mean, him just – I mean, I was small too. Um, I mean, a lot of receivers are small. Not, not a lot of receivers are bulky and big like DK Metcalf. So, I mean, him just being able to have that elusiveness and that wiggle to him, that's all he really needs. Uh, I'm not the biggest receiver either. So as long as he's using his speed, uh, his, his ability to get open, um, he'll be perfectly fine in his league. Speaking of that, if you could speak to traits to be successful at this level, what would they be as a receiver? Um, be patient. Be yourself. And and really really think about your technique while you're playing. Um, you know, the NFL. There's a lot of smart cornerbacks. There's a lot of guys that that study the game, watch a lot of your film, so they know all of your moves. So all you got to do is be patient with your technique. Uh, just just learn how to how to set those moves up, make them look the same, and and just run smooth routes, getting in and out of those breaks. So you you talked about you know the the brotherhood of the LSU wide receivers and you coming up watching Odell and Jarvis and guys like that. But where you are now, is it more important for you to study other wide receivers or to study corners and DBs? Um, a little mixture of both. Um, you know, I study cornerbacks just to to see you know what what their tendencies are. You know what they like to do. What how they like to press, if they like to soft press, put hands on, be physical, uh, is he more a speedy guy? So uh, you kind of watch for those things in the cornerback. But as a as a receiver, uh, you watch the the releases, the footwork. You uh, watch out how how they set defenders up on, on different routes. So, you know, watching Keenan Allen, watching Odell, watching Devontae Adams, you know, those different guys have 
tremendous footwork and tremendous, you know, technique on their on their route. So, um, you know, watching those guys definitely helped me become a better route runner and using those techniques that they use into my game. You know, one of the things I respect about you, Justin, is is this year is just the professionalism, being a young guy coming in the way you've handled everything. And recently, um, with what happened in Washington at the Capitol last week, you know, you expressed how you felt about that. And you had folks come at you. And I wonder, from your perspective, how much thought do you have to give in terms of how do I respond to that? Because you know you're under a microscope. Everyone is watching. But I thought it was beautiful what you said. You know, so when that hit you, when those folks came at you, what was your thought process um, in terms of how to deal with it? Um, I mean, I, I just I just hate the fact that, um, you know, a lot of fans just feel like we're just meant to play football and, and just talk about football only. You know, this, we're human beings. We, we live in the same world as everybody else. You know, we have our own problems and, and own things that we deal with. Uh, but if we feel like we need to use our voices uh, on our platform to to really speak out to the world, um, you know, why not do so? Um, you know, us speaking to the to the world, uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of fans that follow us. So, um, you know, using our voices to to make it a worldwide thing and, and to show people that, you know, we care and we we feel a certain way about this, uh, the things that is going on. Um, you know, why, why not speak up about it? I, it's always fascinating that people who say stick to sports, you know, it's like you guys right. are one dimensional. You have no minds other than football. It just blows me away that that exactly that remains an issue out there. When you were in college, it's different. Now you're a grown man, you know, you're on your own. You speak your mind in college, yeah. head coaches and, and, and programs try and control what you guys all say and do. You guys went Definitely. to the White House under this under under this president. What was that like for you, knowing how you feel about things that are going on right now? It's it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy to to say we actually was in there and um, you know actually actually been around them and, and everything. Uh, that whole that whole experience uh, was just just fun, just actually being in the White House. But um, you know, of course, you know, just things that that he did, um, you know, we didn't agree with and. Um, and everything, but we wasn't really going to let that uh, affect our uh, experience in the White House. On that, you you know the, the Vikings, you know you you came back to you came to Minneapolis, and you guys were the nerve center of, of what happened in this country this summer with George Floyd. And you know I, I've spoken to Anthony Barr and Kyle Rudolph and Amir Abdullah and all those guys who are real front and center, saying, "Hey, we've got a lead because this is really what." what kind of kicked things off the re, you know, in terms of reaction to, to those tragedies, what was it like coming into that as a rookie? Again, you weren't there in the off season, you know, because of COVID, but you're coming to that environment. You know, what was that like adjusting to it as well as having to figure out football? It was different. Um, you know, you, well, me, I, I'm not really, I didn't really grow up around, uh, you know, that type of stuff. So, um, no, I didn't really have any any problems with, with cops or anything, um, but that was just my own experience. I can imagine, you know, just being terrified and, and just being scared as soon as, you know, a police drive by. So, um, you know, I just really just try to, to learn all the things that I can about what's going on, uh, just trying to educate myself and, and just talk to different teammates about it. 
uh, just like you said, Amir knows a lot of stuff about it. And um, even his, his dad was, was um, you know, uh, active on this type of stuff too. So just listening to him and, and grasping all the information that I can from him and listening to, to the emotion that he puts into it. Justin, I know you're a young man and, and you're still developing um, in terms of finding out who you actually are too. Um, we, I think we put so much pressure on young players to, to ask them to know who they are and as if they're a finished product at a young age. Right. But how important is it to you to make right. a difference in your community and, and how is it that you want to make a difference? Oh, man, making a difference in my community is, is definitely big. Um, just the amount of people that look up to me back at home. Um, just a, so many people are, are so supportive of me uh, and, and very proud of me for what I what I have accomplished. And um, just to see all the little kids and stuff doing the gritty and, and just being so happy to, to, to do it and, and just be, a, be around me and stuff, that it, it's an amazing feeling. And um, definitely want to give back to, to to my community in different tremendous ways. So uh, definitely looking forward to, to seeing what I can approve on in my community. And, um, you know, hopefully we, we get a lot of stuff done. Since you brought it up, the gritty, because you, you're the guy who is being said, you set it off, right? You doing that when you got yeah. into the end zone, you set it off. You had a bunch of players around the, around the NFL. We know it's a New Orleans thing. <laughs> So what yeah. about that? What about what about showing off the 504 right there? Oh, that's a must. Um, you know, I got to I got to let people know where I come from. So, you know, just showing showing that, that type of dance. Uh, you know, nobody has ever you know did it or, or seen it before. So, uh, you know, bringing that New Orleans culture to the to the rest of the NFL, to the rest of the world. Uh, you know, it just it just puts on for Louisiana. I love it, man. I, you know, the funny thing for so long, the NFL was known as a not, not, um, uh, no fun league. No fun league. Yeah. And now to see you guys be able to, to show your personality a little bit, you know, I, me, I love it. I can't do it. I can't do the gritty, but, you know, I love it, <laughs> you know. So, hey, you know, Justin, you had such a tremendous rookie season. I just wondered, man, you have set a high bar. It's now the floor, actually. Um, how do you build on that? Do you start looking to next year already? Um, I mean, well, first, first, you know, it's just really just resting my body, just making sure uh, my body is really ready to, to last 17 weeks again or, or even more. So, um, you know, it's, it's not like college, you know, college two weeks off and then we're back to grinding. So I can actually rest my body for once. I can really just, just relax and, and just, um, live my life for for a minute until you know I, I go back to the grind but um you know just working on the the different things that i need to fix um you know watching my uh film uh watching all of the plays that i that i did bad or needed to fix something on so uh you know when i come in the off season i can really work on those different things what do you need to work on um you know there's always room for improvement just things like uh releases uh just trying to get open uh just trying to beat that that one-on-one -on -one press uh you know we face we face a couple different good corners this this upcoming season so um you know definitely definitely gotta upgrade my my game and and try to try to find some new moves to get open when you you know some of the, some of the, the the corners you face we like we like to ask guys this you know the guys you you went against like who was the really like tough individual matchup 
or like one that you said, wow, okay, he did this to me, but I learned that next time I play him, whether it's Alexander, you know, with Green Bay or whatever, like who are some of the guys you're like, okay, I know I got to deal with this guy for the next five, 10 years. Um, Jair, definitely, but it was kind of hard to to say him just because, uh, you know, we played him the first game of the season. I didn't really play that game. And then the second right. time we played him, uh, it was a very windy game. So we only had 14, 14 attempts throwing the ball. So it, it was kind of hard. It's kind of hard to, to really judge how, how he is when I go against him. But, um, I mean, Lattimore from, from the Saints was, was probably the best defender I went up against. So uh, definitely looking looking back at that tape, trying to figure out different ways to, to beat that that press, um, you know, get it, getting open and, and create that separation. Who are some of the players? You know, you, you mentioned watching Devontae Adams, but who are some of the players you saw on the field this year who just really impressed you, whether it was with their play, with how they responded to a certain situation? Who are some of the guys like, man, okay, all right, that, that guy, that guy's a real one. Um, well, I definitely got to, got to start off with my guys, uh, Terrence Marshall, um, definitely, you know, he, he's definitely going to impact the league. Um, you know, just him, his ability to go up and get the ball, him just breaking, breaking the tackle and, and, um, you know, getting that yak after the catch. So, uh, definitely excited to see what he do, uh, coming into the league and, um, you know, how big of a playmaker he's going to be. Justin, I just want to say, I know we're going to let you get out of here, but man, um, tremendous rookie season. And, you know, you handled yourself so well on and off the field, man. I'm just looking for great things from you. I know we all are. So continued success and more than that, continued health. Because I know if you have health, you're going to have success. So um, we appreciate appreciate you coming on the huddle of flow. Don't be a stranger, man. Nah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Nah, I'll never be a stranger though. But but thank you for, for having me. It was it was good talking with you guys. Steve, what an impressive young man, you know, not just as a player, but as a person. And I gotta tell you, when I saw the way that he clapped back at people who tried to come after him for expressing his feelings about what was happening at the Capitol last week, um and he did it in a way where it would have been very easy for him to to get salty with them and whatnot. But he did it in a way that, again, I keep using that word professional, um, just an impressive young man. And I think, you know, the sky's the limit for him, as we said during the show. What he did now, 1,400 yards, 88 reception, that's the floor. What he does now is he builds on that. So imagine where those numbers could go as he moves forward. I, I can't wait to see. Yeah, I mean, look, and look, it's probably going to be in a new offense. We're hearing that Gary Kubiak, his OC, is, is going to be retiring. So we'll see what they come up, and we'll, and we'll see what, what they develop. Because, Jim, you know he's going to get more coverages coming his way. So he's going to have to really start studying defense, some of the trends, some of the DCs that could be changing teams and things like that. And, you know, on that note, you know, besides him, real quick, though, I mean, what an ambassador for New Orleans. You, you talked about a lot of his positive qualities as a – as a human and how he's really lived up to things, not missing a training session, things like that. An ambassador for New Orleans, an ambassador for his club. I mean, he really, you know, took the high road on, on a lot of these things with conversations and saluting uh, people like that and looking out for people who's coming up. So again, the Vikings really look like they knocked it out of the park right there. Um, also, Jim, we're, we're, we're probably figuring by, uh, by the end of the weekend at the latest, we're going to have some of these coaching changes, what's going to happen. Um, 
you know, in Atlanta with the Chargers, with the Jags, you know, we'll, we'll see what really shakes out, you know, with the Texans. We'll see if, if, if they've got that handled. Um, but Jim, I, Jim, I, I think what's I also, help but laugh. I can't help I but laugh. I just got to press pause on them and, you know, maybe it all, <laughs> maybe it all, maybe it all plays out well for them. I don't know. Right now it's not looking good, man. And they're, and they're, they're taking some rightful beats upside the head. Uh, from folks around the league, but again, maybe maybe it all you know. We'll see. We'll see what Deshaun hopefully has to say in the next couple of weeks. You're, um, you're a better man than you're a better man. I know. Man I, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm just waiting to see. Maybe we're going to get a surprise here. But you know, what's also thing you know we, we get it's going to be interesting that when that first domino falls, as we were just kind of talking, the rest are going to fall because he's this is where these teams have to build staffs right away, and a lot of these coordinators and, and position coaches these these coaches promised they could get their owners when they were interviewing they're going to be moving around real quick so that's going to be another interesting element to this you know does Raheem Morris land with a team as, as, as a DC or an assistant head coach or or Pep Hamilton or Anthony Lynn or, or a guy like that you know do they land anywhere um, and then we'll see who the next young, young hot commodity is who comes from a position coach to a coordinator as well we'll see if these owners if they don't do so well with the hates uh, with the HC when it comes to diversity hires and things like that, if they uh, allow their coaches to to be as bold with some of their coordinator hires. Yeah, it's looking like it's not going to be another um, positive year as it relates to diverse hires at the head coach position. And right now, at best, I can see potentially two, but I have a feeling we may be stuck at one again um, for what would be the fourth straight year, I believe. So... Um, it's it's tough. It's tough out we, there. We, we wouldn't be surprised. No, we we were just not. We're, we're not going to be surprised anymore, Jim. We're not going to be surprised. Anymore. No, we, we've seen. No, I'm not surprised, but still disappointed. And and um, it's like, Sick. how how long can we talk about this? How much can we talk about this um, before something changes? And I I don't have what the answer is anymore. The one thing I know is any more changes to the Rooney Rule is not the answer because um, that hasn't done squat. Um, this incentive, uh, incentivization, um, I can barely get that out. I don't believe that that's the answer. So uh, I don't know what it is. And I think, Steve, what we need to do and what we are going to have to try very hard to do is see if we can get some of these owners on the show to start talking about what went into their thought process when it came to hiring a coach and why we continue to have this issue that uh, we are not having diverse hires. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of faith. We're going to get a whole lot of honest answers on that one. Um, so, but uh, we're going to try. We're 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 not going to stop. I don't even need honest. Want them to to look us in the virtual eye and tell us what exactly went on and why did you make the moves that you make and why do we continue? Why is this an issue? You know, man, Jim. I, I'm. We'll see. I'm. You know what? I'm just. I'm, there you I'm, go again. I'm just there. You go. Well, I mean, no, I'm I'm just tired of it right now because I'm not optimistic at all. I'm incredibly pessimistic. So I'm just kind of like, you know what? Let's just wait till plays out. Let's hope we got some great playoff games and we'll come back Monday, bring in some freaking Yu-Gi-Oh style fastballs with some high heat, and um, we'll we'll just see what happens, man. Because here here's the thing, and we're telling you this. It's not it's not Jim and I necessarily. We're in our feelings about this, but it's these coaches who are getting snubbed who get in touch with us. And, you know, we have to hear them and our heart breaks 
knowing what they're going through and knowing how hard they're prepared and everything else. And so we're, you know, a lot of times we are the messengers and the voices for them because a lot of times they're too scared to say anything. And I, and I think it's time some of them need to go ahead and crank up the volume on what's going on with them as well and not just not just necessarily bring it on with us. You know what, Jim, instead of talking to the coaches or the owners, let's bring on the faces of the folks who didn't get opportunities and let's let people see and hear them and what they have to say. Yeah, but going back to your point, Steve, you know, they're afraid to come out and speak honestly on it for fear that they'll be blackballed. And then it's not. What's, 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 how's so, that working out right now? It's not working yeah. out right now. So, you know what? They may just have to say, what do we got to lose? Let me just come over. I don't like it, then. I'll tell you a quick story about this. So, I was having this discussion a couple of combines ago, two, three combines ago. I don't remember what it was, but I remember I was walking up in the in the city center in Indianapolis to get something to eat. And on the third floor up there, there were like six to eight black coaches all huddled, you know, around one of those massage chairs or whatnot. And so they call me over and we start talking and they're like, what are you going to do about this? And I said, do about what? And they said, the fact that we can't get hired as head coaches. And so we all start having this discussion. I said, look, there's only so much I can do. I said, at some point, you all are going to have to speak up. And they said, but if we do, then we're not going to get opportunities. And I'll never forget this. The late Daryl Drake, um, bless his soul, said, look, you know what? I'll speak up on it. He said, I'm near the finish line. He said, somebody needs to say something. This isn't right. And I said to Daryl Drake, I said, you know what? Sit tight for a month or so. Let's see how you feel then. I don't want I don't want to do this when your emotions are high. Let's talk then and see. Called him a month or so later. And he said, no, I'm ready to speak on it. Somebody has to speak up on behalf of these young coaches out there so that they get opportunities. And he did. So I'm wondering who's going to be the next one to do that, to step out and say, you know what? I've had my opportunities. I realize that it's passed me by to some degree. I'm going to be the guy to try and push that that envelope for these young guys. And I'm hoping that, as, as you've suggested, that some of them do step out and say what needs to be said, because people are probably tired of hearing it from you and I. Um, but too we're gonna, bad. Yeah, <laughs> too, we're going to keep saying it. Too bad. Well, Jim, you know what? Let's catch our breath. Let's cherish what we had in Justin Jefferson. Um, and let's come back next week and see where things are, because I know we'll be refreshed. We'll have our vitamins in our system, and we'll be ready to rock and roll and call a spade a spade if that's what we have to do. I'm ready. All right, we'll bring us home. Look, to, to, to all of our listeners out there, we thank you. We appreciate you. Please subscribe. Please leave comments. Um, let us know what it is you want to you want us to discuss, who you'd like to hear from, the topics. That way we can give you more of what you're funking for. That's right. And also next week. I know you may get sick of me, Jim, and, and Thomas, who's real quiet, talking about Howard. Too bad, because we're coming at you with an HU legend who also just retired officially from the NFL. Antoine Bethay will be joining us this time next week. He'll be in our second show next week. Uh, so we'll have him on as well. But until then, for Jim Trotter, for Thomas Warren, our producer on the ones and twos, I'm Steve White. We're the Howard Mob, and we are out. You go into your shower feeling 
tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.